Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Saturday evening, Sunday morning, wherever you are, good hello to you. Hope everyone is doing well. Let me go ahead and welcome some of our viewers. Let's start with Instagram today. D, D Mary is with us from Iran. R Romina is with us. Thomas. Welcome to all you guys on Instagram. Venta is with us. Of course, on the YouTube uh, side, we have our moderators, Khaleesi and Singer Chick. And then we have our huge moderator who handles four out of the five platforms, and that's Saz. Welcome to Saz. Want to welcome Philip Thompson on Facebook. So I hope everyone is enjoying themselves. I hope you've had a good day or a good night, wherever you are. And uh, just a reminder that it is Saturday. There is no Dead Talk Live tomorrow. We'll be back on the air with you guys on Monday to start a brand new week. Reminder that on Tuesday, we have special guest Sarah Paxton, who has appeared in plenty of horror movies, most notably Last House on the Left and star of the innkeepers she will be our special guest right here on dead talk live this coming tuesday at our normal time if you are visiting us for the first time and want more information about our show please head on over to our website deadtalklive.com uh, go ahead and check us out if you're on youtube or haven't visited us yet on youtube Go visit our channel, which is also called Dead Talk Live. Basically, across all our five platforms, the name is Dead Talk Live. Really simple. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, or Twitter, just search for Dead Talk Live, and we'll be like number one on the list. Go ahead and follow us on the platform of your choice, and uh, subscribe to us on YouTube and Twitch. And if you're there right now on YouTube, if you hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast, it'd be greatly appreciated. So, let's get started. Let's get started with uh, today's news. Um, not a busy news day, but nonetheless, there's stuff that people will always find stuff to write about, you know? So, let's see what we have on tap. So, apparently, in that teaser trailer that we got of The Walking Dead... Uh, there's some kind of, uh, scene that I must have missed where Maggie is getting ready to assassinate Negan. Uh, is it there? Did I miss it? Or are these people just really looking hard for something that's not there? The title of this headline, uh, well, the name of this headline is The Walking Dead Season 10, Maggie Set to kill Negan as fans expose trailer giveaway. This ought to be interesting. The Walking Dead Season 10 will return, we know that, at bonus episodes. After a series of delays and scheduling shakeups caused by the pandemic, we know that as well. The promo for the extended Season 10 episodes proved there's plenty of action-packed drama on the way from a showdown between Maggie and Negan to the introduction of newcomers Lucille and Maze, played by the great Robert Patrick. However, following the promo, fans are, what's that, tipping? They are tipping a deadly conclusion to the Maggie and Negan feud. What, at the end of that trailer, it's just Negan all dressed up in his getup with his leather jacket and red scarf and Lucille doing his little pig, little pig thing. And as I said yesterday, uh, in my opinion, that little clip from the trailer is probably in the last few minutes of the final episode uh, of these bonus episodes, which is called Here's Negan. Very soon after, he has to put down his wife, Lucille, because she turned into a walker. And that is his coping mechanism. We'll get to see the dynamics uh, of the two of them, how they were before she passed away, and what kind of impact did that have 
in him becoming, well, an arrogant prick, uh, a smart, arrogant prick that takes over and forms the saviors. But I believe that little snippet at the end of the trailer is him pretty soon afterwards putting on the jacket, putting on the scarf. Uh, we see him in the trailer putting the barbed wire around the bat that he most likely used to put down his wife. And him declaring, you know, here's Negan. And his way of dealing with what he had to go through, his wife, cancer, dying, probably turning into a walker, having him put her down. Uh, that's his coping mechanism. That's how he decides to cope with it and make sense of a world that nothing makes sense anymore. So... There is no love loss between Negan and Maggie after he killed her, has her husband, Glenn, helped the Whispers burn Hilltop to the ashes, and has now been accepted by Maggie's closest friends. Accepted right now might be a little bit too strong of a word. They see that he is making a contribution, and they're willing to give him some leeway. Uh, and while they briefly teamed up to defeat the Whisperers in the Season 10B finale, Maggie's acceptance of the former savior isn't going to come easy, especially after a promo from The Walking Dead Season 10C teed up a showdown between the pair. And uh, a while ago, I thought they would hold off on the Negan-Maggie thing until season 11. Now it looks like they are going to deal with it directly in these six episodes. And they're going to go into season 11. Yeah, both Maggie and Negan. They're both going to be alive and well. Starting in season 11. And whatever happens in these six episodes. Those two are going to find a way to move on. They're not going to become buddies. They're not going to become whatever. Uh pen pals but they are going to find a way to coexist that's my firm belief philip writes maggie uh has really no place to go after the whisperers took over hilltop well she can go back to wherever she was that she came from we don't know we don't have a damn idea where that where she was uh we're led to believe that the only reason she came back was because her friends were in trouble from the letter that she read so we have to wait and see, but she, she always has a place to go. And keep in mind, she has a son now to take care of. Cece Weezy writes, uh, what is Negan's real name? Is Negan his first or last name? What did Lucille call him? Uh, that is what I'm looking forward to seeing. Negan, that's an unusual name. Whether it be a first name or a last name, is it a nickname? Uh... It might very well be his first or last name. I have no idea. And we may not get to find out, Cece. So don't be surprised if uh, that's a question on a lot of people's minds. And I've had a lot of people ask me that very same question. But we may go through these episodes and not get a definitive answer to that question. Which would suck. It really would suck. Uh... But we got to wait and find out. While there is plenty of walker danger on the way for a number of characters in the promo, focusing on the first sign of Maggie, fans get a glimpse of her shielding from a nearby explosion. Now, if that's what they think is the telltale that she's planning on assassinating Negan... Yeah, they're looking way too deeply into something. As the trailer unfolds, fans hear a conversation between Maggie and Daryl, with the latter saying, you could come on home. Maggie then brings up her and Glenn's son, Herschel, explaining he asked how his daddy died. I told him that a bad man killed him, and he wanted to know if the bad man got what he deserved. The promo then cuts to a tense, looking and ready for battle Maggie, walking with her masked ally, 
the fans were introduced in the final moments of the season 10 uh, finale. Uh, Yeah, that doesn't mean that's how it's going to play out in the episode. We know how trailers work. It's little bits and parts. If it's just a single episode of that episode, if it's from a bunch of episodes like this trailer is, it's little snippets from all six episodes. And yeah, they are going to hype it up. They're going to hype it up. They're going to make us want to believe that a big battle is going to unfold between Negan and Maggie. And I'm telling you right here and right now, I would be really surprised if that happened. Uh, it's not going to be as dramatic as, in my opinion, it's not going to be as dramatic as a lot of people expect it to be. The conversation cuts away for a split second to show Negan's famous barbed wire bat, Lucille, being cleaned, although it's not revealed if this is by the former villain. However, just as the promo comes to an end, Fans are given the biggest clue yet that Negan's evil ways may not have left him. As Negan crouches by a fire, he suddenly hears a voice saying, Little pig, little pig. You see, how many of you believe that? How many of you believe that 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 scene where Negan is dressed up in a leather jacket, got the red scarf on, pounding his bat up against the floor saying, little pig, little pig. How many of you believe that that is in the present time and not part of the flashback of Lucille? You know? Uh, I firmly believe it's probably one of the final scenes in the flashback that leads us into directly to how Negan became the Negan that formed the Saviors. That's how I see it. They're trying to put it in this article and frame it in a way that that scene takes place in the present. It takes place uh, after the flashbacks are over with. I do not agree with that. Uh, Anyway, he turns to see a hallucination of himself in his leather jacket holding Lucille, the attire synonymous with his days as the leader of the murderous saviors. There is also another blink-and-you-miss-it scene, which appears to show Negan wielding Lucille, bursting his way out of a burning building. Now, while the trailer doesn't show Negan and Maggie in the shot together, these clues certainly hint at an explosive showdown between the two. If Negan were to revert back to his savior ways, and with Maggie seemingly unconvinced he got what he deserved following the conversation with Herschel, surely a deadly face-off is on the cards, and several fans seem in agreement with a number tipping Maggie to come out on top and kill Negan before season 10 is out. Yeah, yeah, they're wrong. Plain and simple, they're wrong. They're wrong. Uh, I don't know where they're getting this crap from. Uh, I think these fans, if there are such fans that said that, uh, if they really believe that Negan's going to die before season 11 starts, they are really deluding themselves. Uh, One rather apprehensive fan addressed the theory on Twitter, saying Maggie will freak out and kill Negan. Please don't die, Negan. I said if he or Daryl died, I would stop watching The Walking Dead. Please, no. While a second echoed the evidence, although they too weren't keen on the possible outcome, I beg you, reassure me, I don't want Maggie or Herschel Jr. to kill Negan. I don't want to believe in this theory. What do you guys think about fans like that? I mean, you know, I respect fans far and wide, but to go on the social media platform of your choice and to make these, you know, these pleads to, I don't even know who they're pleading to, to not kill Negan, 
Come on, man. I mean, how long have you guys have how long have these people been watching television shows? I don't know. Maybe I take it for granted that there are a lot of people out there who don't understand how this stuff works, the marketing that goes behind television shows and and I'm not talking exclusively about The Walking Dead. I'm talking about every show or movie that's ever come out. Uh, Khaleesi writes, it's wishful thinking saying that Maggie's going to kill Negan. Koopnex is with us. Welcome, Koopnex, on YouTube. Uh, Sammy uh, is replying to somebody. Koopnex says, what's dog doing, though? What the dog doing, though? Dog is around. If you're talking about Daryl's dog, he's he's around. He's not going anywhere. Uh, anyway, I I really you know I'm just perplexed by that because I this they're not making this up. I really do see fans commenting to my posts, uh, to other people's posts, begging and pleading, and I'm trying to figure out, uh what their state of mind is. I'm not putting anybody down. It may, it may sound like I'm putting people down. I'm just truly trying to understand what their state of mind is. Uh, are they just thinking out loud, uh, wishing out loud? I just don't get it. I really don't get it. You know, I, if somebody can help me out there, please explain it to me because I, I just don't understand it. Moni is with us on Facebook. I forgot what season was coming out. Well, Moni, uh, in a month from now, we are apparently going to watch season 10C, the six bonus episodes. Anyway, continuing on and responding to the trailer via Skybound's YouTube, another fan was convinced she, Maggie, will change her mind because she only left him there for the simple reason that was he was even worse than dead. And she wanted him to be alone in there forever without having the chance to meet his wife in the afterlife because that's what he begged for when she was down in the cell. He said, I want to be with Lucille. Now he's like a part of the group somehow, living a kind of good life, better in the cell, better than that in the cell at least. She will change her mind and she deserves the closure, just like everyone else in the damn show got before. And that's not true. You're not going to tell me that everybody on The Walking Dead has gotten closure on whatever their situation was. But how do you think these fans are going to react when it's going to play out exactly as I explained it? All right. Both Maggie and Egan are both going to be alive going into season 11. Uh, like I said, they're not going to become the best of friends. They will find a way to coexist. So share with me, guys. Tell me, what do you think? How do you think these fans that wrote these comments are going to react when the reality sets in and they actually get to see it on the screen that it's not going to be as climactic as the teaser makes it out to be it's kind of be kind of anticlimactic yeah they're going to go through a bitter exchange of words they may get into a fight they may even pull guns or knives on each other. But at the end, they're all both going to just walk away and find a way to coexist. Khaleesi writes, they are going to be shocked. Yeah, you know, but it's not going to stop. I'll tell you that. I don't know. I don't know. Just got to wait and find out. Wait and see. But trust me, guys. If you, uh, any of you guys that are thinking the same of these people who wrote these comments, just believe me, uh, neither Maggie or Negan are going to die in these six episodes. They are both going to be there to start season 11 of The Walking Dead. And 
what happens to both of them when the series wraps up. And I'm pretty confident in saying that they are both still going to be alive when The Walking Dead wraps up in 2022. Uh, what happens to them? I have no idea. Uh, especially Negan. In the comic books, Negan is exiled. He is not killed. He is eventually exiled to go out and live on his own. Uh, Moni writes, Maggie is like the boss because she's been through a lot. You know, everyone has been through a lot. You know, there's not a single person uh, besides the background characters that we've never actually even met. You know, the ones I'm talking about, the Alexandrians that we just see in the back that are there to show that there are people living in Alexandria besides the main characters. Tell me one character on The Walking Dead who has not been through a hard time. Yeah, Maggie lost her husband. I mean, everybody's lost someone. Violently, tragically, that's what this world is about. They're living in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, Koopnex writes, got Cod Woods vibes from Aaron holding the pistol to his head in the trailer, Russian Roulette. Yeah, why is he doing that? That's 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 far more interesting to me than the whole Maggie Negan thing. I know the how that's gonna at least end up. How they're gonna get there, I don't know, but I have a pretty good idea on how they're gonna end up. But Aaron holding a gun to his head, what's that about? And Robert Patrick playing Maze from the trailer, he uh, he looks like he's going to be a bad dude. He's not going to be a good guy, which is actually great. Robert Patrick, uh, I think, is at his best when he's playing a uh, antagonist, whether it's in a movie like Terminator 2 or on a TV show. He's at his best uh, when he's playing the bad guy. So we have to wait and see. All right, enough of that. Let's move on. Uh, now the trailer that we're just talking about, they broke it down into screenshots. I'm not going to read this because it's more theories, but let's take a look at the screenshots. Okay. Like this screenshot of, uh, Eugene princess Yumiko right there in the back and Ezekiel. That's a promo shot. I don't really think that's the stance they're taking. Uh, in the show. I think more than likely this is just a promo shot that they filmed for the trailer. Now we have in a very blurry image right there, Daryl, just being Daryl. Now this is a badass image right here of Father Gabriel. Uh, it looks like he's holding a sword uh, and he just looks badass. <laughs> what more can you say about it? Uh Seth Gilliam, who plays uh, Father Gabriel, he's got that he's got that badass look down pat, all right, and he's become one cold-hearted bastard on the show, and he's come a long way from that coward on top of that rock that when we first met him, pleading for someone to save his life because he was surrounded by several walkers. He's come a long way. Uh, now we have Ezekiel. You know, with a terrified look on his face, blood all over his face. We have a walker right there. And if I did not know any better, uh, I would even say that this walker was a whisperer. But it's not. It's a walker. It's just around the eyes. It kind of looks like a whisperer. And Aaron. What the hell is Aaron going to be up to? Who is he going to come across? Is Aaron going to be the one... That comes across uh, Robert Patrick playing Maze. Does he is he holding the gun up to his head in front of Maze? Uh, that's what I'm curious about. I have no theory about that whatsoever. And then we have looking down from a, a shot taken from above, the word "save us" written, and I cannot tell you who is in that shot. Uh, standing in front of that walker. If 
you guys have any ideas just by looking at this picture on who that might be, it's someone with grayish hair. Uh, it's not Carol. It's a man. But I have no idea who it is. It's, it might be a completely new character altogether. Here we have the Mass Ninja, who we know now is Elijah. And then here we have a completely new character. And I do not know who this is. She is holding Daryl up at gunpoint with her shotgun. And I was really curious when I was watching the trailer yesterday on who this is. I don't even know the actress's name. Uh, singer check writes, is that Eugene? No, that's not Eugene. No, that's not any of the group that's met up with the Commonwealth. Uh, it's probably some character we've never met. But this chick with the shotgun, no idea. She's obviously holding Daryl up at gunpoint, no doubt about that. Here's uh, there's Daryl, and then here he is. That's Robert Mays, uh, Robert Patrick playing Mays, uh, looking very badass in the leather jacket of his own, a leather vest, I should say. And someone in front of him wearing a hood. Is that Aaron? Is it Aaron? Is it... It's not Daryl. Who's under that hood? Don't know. But they seem to be in some kind of a bar or restaurant. But the real interesting part is, is the electricity is working. The lights are on. Uh, so wherever they are has power. And then Father Gabriel again. With a less intense look on his face. Maggie holding her ears as the explosion goes off. No idea what the explosion is about, if she's the one that rigged it or not. Uh, Robert Patrick again. And as you can see from the scars on his face, uh, Robert Patrick's character has definitely been through some rough times. And then the infamous Aaron holding a gun, an old-school revolver to his head, while shouting or just madman expression on his face you know about to flip out and if i was looking at him with that expression on his face i would take him damn serious that he is really you know uh being absolutely serious about blowing his own brains out and he's obviously not doing that uh well he might be doing it against a bad guy he might be doing it with Robert Patrick, but as to the motivations, no idea. This next picture right here is uh, something that we already read about because we heard about it during a table read. Uh, when the Commonwealth captures the group, they put them in those train cars. They, they blindfold them, tie their hands together. Princess actually manages to escape. Uh, Ezekiel is actually the one that talks her down from doing anything because it could put Eugene and Yumiko in danger. But here we have Princess looking out from the train car at Yumiko, Eugene, I'm assuming that's Eugene, and uh, Ezekiel. And here we have... Uh, this is the walker that Lucille takes out. I don't know who that dude is with the goggles, but that's the walker because if you remember in the trailer, I think Lucille is the one that put that big-ass knife into its eyeball. Uh, as to who that dude is, no idea. Lucille who we do know, she lived well into the apocalypse, at least in the, you know, for a while after it started, before she passed away. And that's her emptying a gun on someone or something. Koopnik's right, that's probably not Patrick in the bar. He's wearing Negan's vest, and the bar is another shot with Negan's flashback. Let's take a look at that again. 
Let's go back to the bar picture. So you're saying this bar picture is a flashback? It could very well be. Robert Patrick, I guess I've always just assumed he's going to be a character that we meet in the present time, but he could very well be a pre-apocalyptic flashback. I just never really thought of it in that context before, but he very well could be a pre-apocalyptic character. Uh, SL Stage Lucky, is Maggie coming back? Maggie is already back. We saw her in the last episode of season 10. Yep, she is back, and she is back for good. All right, where were we? There's Lucille emptying the gun. That's Herschel Jr. sleeping. And here is, uh, supposedly, it more than likely is uh, Negan, uh getting Lucille ready, tying the barbed wire around the bat. Uh, we get to see how he makes Lucille with the barbed wire. You know, it always, it always struck me as odd knowing how many people he killed with that baseball bat and the barbed wire that it, the barbed wire never came apart. It stayed perfectly intact. And my question to you guys is, how do you wrap barbed wire around a bat and make it stay on and withstand all the hits it's going to endure? If you can figure that out, you know, you're a better person than I am. I have no idea. In reality, we know that, first of all, how do you make it stay on? let alone the bashing people's heads in with it and it never coming loose. Not once, just never coming loose. It's just one of those things that we have to look the other way on. The next shot, we got Maggie. This is when she is talking to Daryl. Uh, and yeah, this is another bar scene. And looking at this closer... I would say you are right. I think that is Negan in the shadows back there. That is Negan. Let me go back to that other picture. I want to see that again. Where is that other picture? Damn it, I passed it. That's a different person. This person doesn't have a full beard. Now, going to the shot that we just saw, this person does have a full beard. I don't know. It looks like two different people to me. CC Weezy writes a nail, probably. I still don't see how it would work. And I don't know how many baseball fans we have out there. If you guys are baseball fans, you know that baseball bats break really easily. The amount of crap that baseball bat Lucille uh, has had to endure, not even a splinter. That bat even got shot. It took a bullet for Negan. Never broke once. And in the comic books, it doesn't actually break until the end of the Whisperer War. When, I forget who, who somebody throws Negan... Uh, Lucille back in the Negan, in the Whisperer fight, and finally he breaks it while smashing some unknown Whisperer. Uh, welcome to Daniel on Facebook. Hello there, Daniel. Welcome to SL uh, saying, What about King Batch? What do you mean by King Batch? Uh, Summer writes, and Rick set it on fire. Exactly. And it was Dwight. Thank you, Cece. Dwight was the one that threw it back to him in the comics. Uh, yeah, that bat is like the indestructible bat. Uh, you know, I, I'm a baseball fan, and I've seen bats break at the weirdest instances. But Lucille must be made out of steel or something. So here we have Maggie with Elijah the Masked Ninja walking behind her. And 
the third guy in the back, I'm probably wrong here. I want to say that's Jerry, but I'm probably wrong. It's probably someone else entirely. And there we have Daryl, Negan, and here's the final scene that we saw in the trailer. The one that stirred up the controversy. Negan sitting in that rocking chair, dressed up in his getup with the leather jacket, the scarf, fully made up baseball bat Lucille, saying little pig, little pig. Uh, Daniel says, I don't even know how to play baseball. Well, you don't know how to play it. Just watching it, you know that baseball bats break really easily. You just got to hit it, hit something right at the right spot or the wrong spot, and it will shatter and splinter and go flying in different directions. But Negan's Lucille can take all the abuse you can throw at her, and she will just keep on going. So let's see what else we have. I mean, we are 36 minutes in already. Five best horror movies on Netflix this weekend. Let's see, we have Sightless, Hush, It Comes at Night, The Platform, and Cargo. I'll let you guys read up on those if you want to. Uh, I don't know if these movies came out this week in particular, and that's why they're highlighting them. Well, I don't know if they've been out for a while and they just decided to write about them. Uh, also, horror movies ranked from worst to best let's just see what the worst is i mean let's just quickly go through this uh i hate these type of slideshows let me close this out nah screw that screw that 10 worst sci-fi horror movies of all time let's see if this one's any better the 10 worst science fiction horror movies number 10 critters attack Number nine, The Angry Red Planet. Haven't heard of any of those two. Hellraiser Bloodline. Yeah, the sequels were not that great. I'm sorry, but they weren't. Number seven, Bride of the Monster. Never heard of that one. Doom. No. Nope. Robot Monster, 1953. No, nope. so far... Aliens vs. Predator, Requiem. Eh. You know. I don't know if I put it as number four. Number three, Galaxy of Terror. These are all pretty bad. Number two, 1978, Laser Blast. Just looking at this screenshot, I, would I wouldn't watch this if you paid me. Just not the kind of movie I'm into. And the number one... All-time worst horror movie is Alone in the Dark, 2005. I honestly, if I have watched this, I just do not remember it at all. So there you guys have it. All right, a little quick run through the news. Uh, let's see what's going on in the chats. Daryl finds out Rick is alive. I'm so excited. Well, again, he will eventually find out, but we've talked about this before, Stonewalkers. It's theories. It's theories. Be careful what you read about. Welcome. Uh, let's see. I'm not ignoring the Instagram people. Welcome to Citigo Relo. Uh, Rico is also with us. Avery is also joining us. Stick is also joining us. I get a kick out of the people asking to be added to the live stream. First of all, guys, on Instagram, let me just tell you that the way I conduct my uh, live streams, it's multi, it's simulcasted to five different platforms. I'm not just using my phone and using the Instagram app to do this live stream. This live stream is being broadcasted to YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter, as well as Instagram. So even if I wanted to, I can't add you. It's impossible. I'm using third-party software to broadcast this live stream on Instagram. 
So for all you guys asking to be added to the live stream, A, I wouldn't do it anyways, but B, it's not possible. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> uh, Deborah says, I enjoy, enjoy listening to you. I'm on Instagram, so I enjoy it finding out uh, what's going on to happen on The Walking Dead with the dead. Well, thank you, Deborah. Uh, thank you for watching us. And, uh, you know, Instagram or any of the other four platforms, I appreciate and thank all of our viewers. Thank you so much for watching us on the platform of your choice. And the reason why I broadcast this on five different platforms is because I want to give anybody who wants to watch this show uh, the preference to watch it on their streaming or social media platform of choice. That's why I do it. So, today we are going to be talking in the time that we have left of an awesome horror movie uh, called 1408, starring John Cusack and uh, Samuel Jackson are the two biggest characters. It's a movie that has a theatrical ending and a director's cut ending. It is a great movie. Just to give you a short synopsis, it involves a writer who, after the tragic death of his daughter, starts writing about haunted hotels. Uh, and he goes and he gets invitations from hotel owners to come and spend the night at their hotel because they claim for it to be haunted and they want him to write about it because it's good promotional and marketing. Uh, he is a, he's a skeptic. He doesn't believe in the paranormal, but he is driven to try to get some evidence and proof because of the death of his daughter. Well, he gets this postcard in the mail one day with no return address. And it invites him to stay at a hotel smack dab right in the middle of New York City. I think the hotel was called the Dolphine. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, it's something like that. That's the name of the hotel. But anyway, he is told to go to that hotel from an anonymous postcard telling him to spend the night in a room uh, 1408, room 1408. So he's like, why not? So he goes to New York, uh, and that's where he meets Samuel Jackson, who is the hotel manager. Samuel Jackson tries every trick up his sleeve to persuade him not to spend the night in that room. John Cusack, thinking it's just some kind of ploy to build up the hype even more about this room, uh, refuses. They have a lengthy discussion. Uh, numerous people have died under mysterious circumstances in room 1408 of this hotel. Samuel Jackson, as the manager of the hotel, reveals to John Cusack's character that besides the unexplainable deaths, there have been a great many more deaths that have been characterized as suicides, heart attacks, strokes, just from healthy people all in that room. Uh, Khaleesi says it is the Dolphin Hotel, the Dolphin Hotel. Hey, I got that one right. My memory didn't fail me. Uh, it's an amazing movie, and it has, like I said, two endings. Uh, I have a preference over the two endings. Uh, I found this great video. It's 30 minutes long. We're not going to be able to watch this whole video. We're going to just quickly scan through this video, and I want to show you guys the two different endings now keep in mind this movie came out in 2007 so it is well past the date of spoilers 
But I'm going to give a little disclaimer anyway. If you guys are planning on now watching 1408 and don't want any single piece of the movie to be spoiled for you, you may not, you may not want to watch this upcoming segment. So let's go ahead. Let me bring up this video. And like I said, it's a, it's a long ass video. We're just going to quickly scan through it. And of course, there we go. Let's hit play. So like I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be scanning through this because it's a long, long video. Can horror answer some of the deeper philosophical questions that are primary to humanity, like, who are we? Alright, we know about that. We're not going to get into the depths of horror. I just want to show you guys... A brilliant examination of what a person's life amounts to when it reaches its end. This is what while he's in, in the room. personal hell, and overall, what a person needs to do in order to escape that hell. That room, once he's in it, becomes his own, it really does become his own health. And of course, they compare this movie to Dante's Inferno. I personally don't see the reference. It's part of a series in which he investigates the paranormal in various settings across America. He wants to prove or disprove the existence of an afterlife because of the death of his young daughter, Katie. From this exposition, we establish one of the main themes of the film, an existential question. Is there an afterlife? And does God exist? For Mike, the verdict is reached on the grounds of God and an afterlife are untrue until proven true. So you're saying there's no such thing as ghosts? I'm saying I've never seen one, but they're awfully convenient for desperate hotels when the interstate moves away. So, he is a bitter atheist who counts his daughter's death against the existence of God. And ghosties and long-legged beasties. This is the conversation exist. where he's trying to convince them not to Even stay if they in the did, world. There's no God to protect us from them, is there? What happens to Mike over the course of the movie is, essentially, a resounding answer to his nihilistic resolve. Finally, I got something to write about. A ghost that offers turn-down service. <laughs> the supernatural comes crashing in around him in the form of an evil room. But before we delve into what the room means in the context of the story, let's look into a scene that precedes the emergence of the supernatural. Mike, while surfing, gets thrashed by a wave and washes ashore, coughing up water, nearly drowned. But why incorporate a scene like this when it doesn't seem to serve the narrative at all? Well, it does come up later as a starting point for when Mike thinks he's escaped the room. But in order to understand this scene and the rest of the movie, one needs to know a little about the divine comedy or Dante. Okay, that's what we're not going to go into Dante today. Trust me, Dante is a topic all on itself. Um, through a shift in tone, from somewhat realistic and banal before he dies. Right? There's the postcard. Dies. This is indicated in the film through a shift in tone. That's the postcard, okay? That's the postcard he got in the mail. Uh, no return address. Uh... And it says, don't enter 1408. The postcard is from the hotel. So he knows where the hotel is. And just a short note, don't enter 1408. That's like me telling you guys right now not to think of a pink elephant. Everyone just thought of a pink elephant. From somewhat realistic and banal before he dies, to reflect the world of the living, to suspenseful, uneasy, and full of dread after his death, to reflect his precarious position in the afterlife, using more dramatic and disquieting camera movements and angles, a more invasive and claustrophobic depth of field. All right, let's get into more of uh, the analysis of the movie. Explains what each sin is on each layer. Olin explains what awaits for people who go into 1408 so as to keep Mike from entering. Let's see. No one's ever lasted more than an hour. Olin, in trying to prevent Mike from entering the room, acts as a guide through hell in the form of showing and explaining 1408's history, and also as a preventer to the torment that awaits him. Well, during your investigation, did you discover the 22 natural deaths that have occurred in 1408? 22. Natural deaths? Hmm. 
All told, there have been 56 deaths in 1408. One Mr. Grady Miller drowned in his chicken soup. That's hard to do. How, how did he do that? How indeed. But Mike, unlike Dante, instead of listening to his guide, goes into the room anyway, where Dante enters hell on divine grounds to see The beauty of 1408, as I'm scanning through this other stuff. In tormented the One of the great things about 1408 is that as the movie progresses and he is stuck in hell, which is this room 1408, it becomes his hell that won't let him leave. You start to question uh, what scenes are actually real and what scenes are the room playing a trick on his mind. This is another aspect of what makes the movie so good. Characteristics on his personal voyage through Inferno. Dad, it's Michael. To purge him of his own sinful nature. As you were, I was. As I am. It's just another example of the room messing with him. This is it. You gotta be kidding me. But if 1408 is simply a mirror of himself, a reflection of his evil tendencies to torment him. But where is the bone-chilling terror? Show me the rivers of blood. Would the room simply be normal if he had attained salvation before his death? It's just a room. An empty room? The interesting philosophical take that 1408 has on Limbo is that the descent into hell isn't necessarily mandatory. Mike doesn't wake up in calls? torment after death. He starts off in Limbo and is lured to the lower layers by his own sinful nature. Without his bitterness towards God. While he's in the room, he keeps getting these phone calls asking him if he's ready to check out. And we know check out means if he's ready to kill himself. That's the ultimate goal of the room is to have him kill himself. And his fervent desire to dispel his existence. Sullen, sitting at a desk, a reflection of Mike and his darker tendencies. A writer depressed about the death of his daughter, embittered towards God for taking her away, and isolated from his wife for how she reminds him of her. So, alone in more ways than one, physically and spiritually, and a uh, let's see, we're getting close on we're getting close on time. Let's get to some of the really interesting stuff. Oh check out this. He gets the brilliant idea the window for her room to climb gone. out and go to the next back. room. As he's about to climb inside window. after nearly falling, the window starts to close. If it were to shut, he would be trapped in darkness, unable to rest in his precarious position with strong winds blowing over him. The punishment for lust in Inferno is so- Alright, let's keep going. Yeah, there's a, a rainstorm, there's a snowstorm that happens in the room. Room's on fire. A burning sensation that he'll have to revisit on a loop forever. There are many arenas to fraud. The eighth. Shattering people's hopes. Oh, that's bullshit! Why do you think people believe in ghosts? For fun? No. It's the prospect of something after death. How many spirits have you broken? While in limbo, Mike, through the lens of disquieting camera work, Deepest level of hell. Let's remove from all life and warmth. And while trapped in this icy environment for his treachery, Night, Sammy. Thank Mike's you for joining us. The mirror of his sinful nature shows up to betray Lily once more. Come on, come now. Good. In 
need yes, you. Talk to anybody. Just go yes. straight up to the 14th floor and walk through the door. The room imitates himself in a call that he's able to make to his ex-wife, begging her to come to the hotel so she could be trapped in there with him. Welcome to Christina Sophia on Facebook. Alright, we're almost out of time. I want to get to see if they're going to show these endings. Alright, here's one found in Christianity in which Christ says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. When Mike entered 14... Come on, let's get to the endings. Peace with the afterlife and God. This is... Minutes. Okay, this is the alternate ending. This is not the theatrical ending. Uh, this is at the end of the movie, after he does supposedly manage to escape the room, him and his wife reconcile. They're moving to a new place together. He finds that tape recorder that he had in the room with him, and he decides to play it back. His wife, of course, not really knowing what happened inside the room, did not realize that he actually got tape recording evidence of him and their deceased daughter, both in that room. Daddy, Daddy, don't you love me anymore? Of course I do, sweetheart. I wish we could stay together. You, me, and mommy. We can't, we can't, we can't. I got you right here. I got you, okay? Oh my God. This is my favorite ending. 1408. Now, I don't know if they're going to show the theatrical ending where he just decides to set the room on fire right there. He decides to set the room on fire and he ultimately perishes in that fire. The a lot less dramatic, not as interesting. Uh, but that's how the movie ends in the theatrical release. I like the director's release a lot better. He doesn't die. We're left with him and his wife in that place, moving in together. Him hearing his wife, uh, him and his wife hearing their daughter. And he does that little wink at her. So it really leaves you to question, are they still in the room? Was the evil room successful in luring his wife into hell with him for eternity? Anyway, a lot of great questions. Great movie. Even though I just spoiled the ending for you, it is definitely worth watching if you have not watched it. Please check it out. We are out of time for tonight. Uh, thank you for joining me over this last hour. If you want to watch all or any of our prior broadcasts, visit us on any of our streaming networks. Uh, head on over to YouTube, Dead Talk Live, subscribe, hit the thumbs up button. Visit our website, deadtalklive.com for more information. Visit our, our new site, deadtalknews.com. You guys are awesome as always. I'll be back on the air with you on Monday, which will be the 25th of January for another exciting week. Don't forget our special guest coming up on Tuesday. I want everyone to enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay safe. And until Monday, guys, stay walking. <laughs>